0: We've been taught that feelings aren't as important as thoughts. And I think that this has really led us to kind of where we are now, which is like at this point of saying, this is, this is way out of balance. This is, this, is, this is not working at all. Because when you do that, when you cut off your feelings, you cut off compassion, you cut off empathy, you cut off relationship, and you cut off the fullness of who you are. And I think as a, as a civilization, we're, and as a people, like as, a, as a, a collective, we're all wanting to return back to that state of harmony, like you said.
1: Rachel Lang is a professionally certified astrologer, healer, and advanced psychic medium. She's an internationally recognized speaker, a workshop host, and she offers classes and retreats and meditations. Rachel was raised in what she calls the evangelical Catholic family, and received her master's in theology at Loyola Marymount University. Her thesis focuses on gender, religion, and justice, and includes research she conducted of the witch trials of the early modern period in Germany. I've been wanting to do a podcast series on understanding the dynamics of feminine and masculine energy and how we find harmony in these energies in our lives. There's a lot of misperceptions out there about what is what, and which one's good, and which one's bad, and what we need, and so on. I think there's room for a lot of clarification there. As both a philanthropist and brand architect, I've studied social systems, human behavior, and politics extensively. Along the way, I began to recognize the profound role of patriarchy in world history. And that led me to studying the potential of matriarchy, obviously, on the other side of the spectrum. The more I've studied, the more I've begun to wonder about matriarchy being a viable path towards fostering a more harmonious world, and more of an egalitarian society. I know these are big, scary words to a lot of people, but at the end of the day, who wouldn't want an egalitarian society? I don't think it's just pie in the sky. I don't think it's just utopia. I think we can get at least closer. And if we can get closer, we should. Rachel was the natural pick to guide us through this discussion. Her unique background and studies and her heart for humanity and her empathetic abilities and empathic abilities, for that matter, all give her a profound ability to navigate this territory and lead us. This is gonna be the first in a series. Uh, There's a lot to cover here. This episode is already about an hour and 15 minutes, I think, and that's longer than I usually go, but it is worth every second. Rachel uncovers some really beautiful stuff here uh, that even I was not aware of, and I don't know how many will do with this, but I believe that you'll find this discussion quite provocative and moving and, and certainly educational. It was truly an honor to talk with Rachel about feminine energy, masculine energy, patriarchy, matriarchy, world history, And where we could be heading as a society if we don't do something and if we do. This conversation could very well fundamentally alter the way that you view some of these energies as well as political systems. And I hope it does. Get ready for a wild journey. This is a space for authentic conversations around indigenous wisdom, spiritual growth, and social consciousness as we forge a path towards a more peaceful and harmonious world. I'm Jared Angaza, and this is Inipi Radio. So today we've got Rachel Lang. and I'm really excited to have you here, Rachel. It's uh, this has been a long time coming, and I'm really eager to get into this conversation about feminine energy. So thanks for being mm-hmm.
2: here. Yeah, thank you so much for having having me. This is one of my favorite topics, so I'm excited too.
1: Well, everybody I talked to recommended you for this conversation, so oh. here we are.
2: Oh, that's amazing! Wow, I'm so honored.
1: Well, I, and I, you know, and I follow you pretty closely uh, as well online and with all your amazing resources that you've got in your horoscopes and everything else. I'm a fan, so it's Thanks. it's an honor to have you on today.
2: Thanks. Thank
1: you. So let's start off a little bit. And um, People have heard your, you know, your technical bio and who you are and what you, some of the things that you're involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us just a little update on kind of where you're at, uh, the things that you're focused on right now, and, and what that looks like. I know you're in Joshua Tree, and that's a beautiful place to be, especially for this great conversation. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Joshua Tree is really just a sacred, a sacred space. It's a real, it's a really, it's like a, a spiritual retreat. And if if any, if anyone hasn't been here, you have you have to come. It's it's just incredible. Um, so yeah, so I'm in Joshua Tree, and I my I work as an astrologer and um, intuitive astrologer. So I kind of combine my uh, psychic and and mediumship gifts with with the the tool of astrology. Um, I teach classes and I've got a couple of classes coming up which you can find on my website and um, I'm also in the process of, of doing some writing and writing um, writing about some of what we're going to be talking about today um, and uh, um, and and also some uh, some uh, course material so some ebooks and things like that.
1: Excellent. Well I, I'm always interested in people's, journey, you know, how'd you get here? How did you, and especially something as unique as what you do and, Mm -hmm. and being a, what I would consider, you know, a healer and, and being someone Mm -hmm. that is, uh, open it kind of making space for these conversations that typically aren't even had, you know, And, and people, uh, it's, it's this other space often for, for people that, um, that represents a whole other level of spiritual alignment and, and connectedness. Um, and I've, I've, I've studied your art and what you do, uh, so much. And it's been such a blessing to me in my life to have people like you that has invested so much, um, just amazing wisdom into my life that's been helped me with clear, uh, you know, we talk, we talk about clairvoyance all the time mm-hmm, and, and people, mm-hmm. you know, kind of have some associations with that word, as yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and, and not all positive, but it means clear vision and, right. and what an amazing gift to have, you know, or, or, yeah. or, or element to tap into. And I love that you've done that. And I, I've, I in reading your bio, I, I know that you have a, a master's in theology from uh, mm-hmm. Loyola super cool. <laughs> and I, I, tell me a little bit about that, like that period where, you, you know, in studying theology, and, and I study a lot of theology, uh-huh. uh, and, and my father has his doctorate from Oxford in theology as well. Oh, so wow. I, I had that influence always, you know, those conversations, mm-hmm. the dinner side conversations. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your journey from, uh, yeah. from the, the Loyola in theology to where you are now.
2: Mm-hmm. So my in in uh, when I was pursuing my my masters I um I was really interested in feminist theology looking at um, looking at issues of of patriarchy and um and and I really wanted to understand power relations and how they play out and how they affect our concept of God and the divine. So I did a lot of that um, research in in pursuing my master's. You know, it's my master's. Um, it originally my my goal in in pursuing the master's was to find out how I could how I could contribute more, how I could give back. I was feeling like I wanted to I wanted to make a difference in some way, and um, and I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge or enough information um, to, to really take my work to a whole new level. And so it, my, the education that I had was just, uh, amazing for, for that. It, it helped me expand my work. It helped me to completely, um, you know, re reconceive how I even thought about God. Um, and it really helped me to understand, like kind of take my women's studies undergraduate work, and my astrology and spiritual practice and my healing work, and it helped me to kind of integrate the two and then come up with some ideas for how I might, how I might better serve spirit, how I might better serve other people, how I might better contribute to the conversations that people are having about theology and about spirituality. And, uh, and eventually, you know, my, my goal has always been to do some writing um, based on the research that I did.
1: Excellent. I and I, I can very much relate to a lot of that journey in coming up. And you know, I came up in a very conservative Christian family, or fairly conservative Christian family. And and my father, again, going into uh, you know get his doctorate in theology, there were these conversations that were very rich and deep. You know, it wasn't the mm. surface yeah. kind of conversations. Yeah. Uh, and and I really appreciated that. And and it was my quest, my philanthropic quest in the world. That led me to a lot of the things that I appreciate now, mm. which is why we're talking today as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. so it let us uh, you know to to some to a similar kind of perspective, I guess, and and some of the uh, the practices that we employ as mm. well mm-hmm. What were some mm-hmm. of the influences, like the, the big influential uh, characters or moments or or the pivot points or whatever that that led you to where you are?
2: Mm. Um, so I was also raised. In, so going back to before theology school I I like you I was raised in a really conservative Christian home and um, my parents were uh, are Catholic and they're this branch of Catholicism that's like evangelical Catholic so they're <laughs> so you, you imagine like Catholics praying in tongues <laughs> that's my parents
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> serious combo there. I'm familiar yeah. with both sides, but not the combo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But it's, what's interesting, what's really cool, I think, about that upbringing is that I grew up um, receiving and and having gifts of the Holy Spirit, which right. gifts of you know um, prophecy, gifts of discernment of spirits, like healing. Mm-hmm. So it was not foreign for us to put our hands on some on, on like the shoulders of a sick person and then to have a miraculous recovery. Like I witnessed miracles in my childhood and it was not weird for my parents when I started seeing angels or started, you know, um, having, having visions and they, they were really open to it. And, um, and so I think, you know, then it, then I really moved away from the conservatism um, in college because I came out as a lesbian, and it the two, I couldn't integrate the two right. uh, that ideology and who I was, yeah. you know, um or or how I wanted to express my myself and my love. so um so at that point, I started looking for what else? What else is there? Yeah, and, that's what got me into studying um, on my own. So separate from school, I started studying, um, you know, uh, pagan re- traditions and and Buddhism, and I, stud- I studied every every type of, I, I just went on a, on a spiritual search for what is truth and how does God express God's self in the world and how can we experience God in different ways and how do different people experience God And, and so it's always been, I've always been seeking, always been searching for, for, for truth or for understanding, um, of, of the spiritual realm and also having mystical experiences at the same time, very similar to the ones I had as a child. So it's, you know, so the journey, the journey was, you know, it started from, from a very, very young age and it's, and over time it's just led up to this path that i'm on right now. And i know that this isn't the end of the path. Like this my astrology work, this research that i'm doing right now, this body of body of work that i'm doing right at this moment, this is another step on that journey. But i think like you, when you're a spiritual seeker and when you're when you're hungry for for uh, for that for that spiritual connection and that spiritual understanding, it the path takes you on a windy, twisty journey. That leads you into some really cool conversations and meeting really interesting people, and 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 I think just being open for anyone listening, just openness, open-mindedness, openness to spirit, openness to in your heart, like it's all heart work, yeah, as well as head work.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many different avenues we could go down in this discussion, but yeah, in the (laughs) so much of my studies. You know, I went out and studied Eastern religion. It, it, I was most drawn to because I was already studying uh, Sun Tzu, you know, Art of War, and 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 that kind of scenario. Wow. And, and I was drawn to that for other reasons, but that's become a very spiritual book for me too. As well. mm. that's, that's, I could I could do a whole podcast on on my ah. my love of Sun Tzu, um, which yeah, also led me to Lao Tzu. Pardon,
2: uh, you must have a strong Mars in your chart.
1: <laughs> Perhaps I do. You could tell me. Um, <laughs> I I just I have a. I don't know. I, I am a seeker, you know, and I, and I want to learn more. I want to go deeper. And, and I think, you know, Jesus, well, the, the funny thing is that my studies in, took me to Eastern religion, Eastern ways more than religion and, mm-hmm. and practices and beliefs and, and Taoism. I probably, uh, there's probably more Taoism in me than anything else mm-hmm. at this point, um, mm-hmm. but which is more of a way, it's not a religion. So mm-hmm. um, I'm attracted to the ways, just like I was attracted then back to the way of Jesus, yeah, yeah, Jesus oh, yeah. of Nazareth, and like the mm-hmm. man, and the, and the, mm-hmm. honestly, the Jewish mystic, you know. And, yeah, and totally I've st- studied yeah. so so much Jewish mysticism. I'm reaching back here on my. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, beautiful! Uh, to, to grab this book that sits beside me, um, I asked for wonder. I've I quoted a lot, huh. uh, but it's a spiritual anthology by Abraham Joshua Heschel, ra- Rabbi, uh-huh. um, whom mm-hmm. I'm a big fan, and I've gotten into the rabbinical studies quite a bit. Mm. and i I love the the jesus or sorry the the um disciple uh and rabbi scenario of taking up someone's yoke their perspective their worldview mm-hmm. and emulating that not and emulating their their perspective but not to be them. We mm-hmm. weren't supposed to be jesus we're we were supposed to take that philosophy, and that philosophy to me and and I won't go too far down this road, but to me Jesus' philosophy was you know, the, the way to heaven, which is a state of mind, is through me, which is a philosophy. <laughs> and that <laughs> philosophy is to untangle your mind from fear and to fill it with love. Right. To, to right. go to other people's homes and let them come to your home and to travel around the world and be in their environment and be love to them. To me, that is the entire message of Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just it's th- that kind of simplicity there that, that was so beautiful yeah. that I'm attracted to.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think when you really when you when you contextualize it that way and you look at Jesus' life, he was the ultimate liberator and the ultimate acceptor. He he accepted everybody. Love was the basis of all of his teachings, um, or most of his teachings, I should say. Like when you do emulate Jesus, you're spiritually attuned in such a way that life—it's not always easy, but it's. It's rich. It's rewarding. You do experience God, um, like mm-hmm. the the presence of God um, when you do live, when you live, when you live with love, forgiveness, mercy, all of those, all of those virtues as, as your core, the core of, 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 of how you behave and how you your act being. in the world. Yeah. You're being. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and that for me has been, you know, once I kind of got out of more of the traditional uh, Christian scenario, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that my awe for God and what God actually you know could be, and the fact that it, like the the my my awe for God grew exponentially once I sort of started exiting that that platform, and you know I, I love the 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 scenario uh, or, or the the framing I guess that the Lakota use, and as you know mm-hmm. I, I teach primarily from the Lakota way and. That's how we're raising our family, and so on, and it's such a so beautiful true. culture, and and I've been attracted to it largely too because I feel that there are community that has lived the principles mm. and the ways of Jesus as well very much. Um, we mm. can we can learn from that. So the the way that they refer to God is Wakantanka, which means great mystery. You know, it's kind of yeah. like the Hebrew saying Yahweh. You know, and yeah. and that kind of uh, perspective. But it, it was saying. Kind of the idea that we dare not say exactly what we think God is. We don't make God into yeah. our image, like we've seen happen in other religions. Yes. We, we, we understand the the vastness and the complexity and the uh, and the fact that God is beyond gender and, and so on and mm-hmm. all yeah. these elements that uh, you know. And even the the, the Lakota had um, they did not have just male and female gender. They had a third gender. That yes. was any mixture of whatever may have happened. And, and, the, and they were seen as like the star people, like the people, yes. like the 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 shaman or the medicine men, the people that we should really uh, tune into because they, they were beyond gender. Like it didn't, you know, and, and I've, uh, I have a, a few friends that, um, that have, I have one friend in particular that has a, a child that's kind of struggling with that. And we talked a lot about that and, and about how the, uh, gender thing is so much of a part of the confines that we we've constructed as a society of black and white dualistic kind of thinking Mm -hmm. we do that with gender we also do that with masculine and feminine feminine energy as you know and we're going to get into that uh and then even for me i recognize you know the two energies are not necessarily or not at all gender specific uh we we have them both and uh, and i want to get into that so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a broad scope here of things i think you and i could talk forever yeah Um, yeah but I, I'm, you know, I'm interested, obviously, in your influences and things, and and, and instances or, or, or things that happened along the way that kind of led you into where you're at today. One of the things I wanted to ask you about uh, briefly too is your. I know that you've studied uh, the witch trials. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that, because that's a that's a has a special place in my heart as well, because it, it's a reflection to me of how society treated women that were spiritually in tune or that were and then it's so much easier for them in their particular religion to demonize these women Mm. a because they were women i think (laughs) that was easier and b because of their spiritual intuneness that was a threat i think to patriarchal uh, society so uh, that's been some of my general understanding of that scenario but tell, tell us a little bit about that
2: Sure. So I, I studied the um, the witch trials of the Middle Ages and specifically I was really focused on the um, the the 1600s, like the late 1500s, early 1600s, because that's really when when it escalated and it became um, like we don't have an exact count of how many women and and men and children too yeah. were killed, but um, but it's estimated between 500,000 and a million people at one time, like all through through the witch trials, but but the bulk of them being that that period. Um, so, a couple of things. There's in that in in that research, I was really interested in power, and understanding. Um, systems of power and how and and also the the, like how what makes someone in a position of power want to marginalize a, a whole group of people and what conditions were were there that were that that promoted this because in in there were similarities between like Jews during the Holocaust so any type of like what what made an oppressive a regime or a or a, a a political system marginalize a whole group of people or kill a whole group of people, and. And it, it, it became
1: a social agreement at at some point. Then society said yes, let's do that, and then they yeah, supported yeah. that, which is how that works politically. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So one of the one of the core, like one of the kind of t- the moments that um, opened up for this was actually a book that was written by a couple of um, of theologians called Melius Maleficarum, and it and if you haven't read it, you ha- I mean I recommend it because it's just so wild and out there. And it basically it basically made witches out to be these women who were castrating men, uh, tricking men into having sex with them, and and you know reproducing with the devil, and cursing people, and killing people, and destroying land and destroying property, and 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 none of these things were had really any basis in truth, but one of the things that was happening right around that time is that because of the scholastic movement within within the, the church and within religion and, and politics, um, and because of the integration with politics and religion, men were going to school. They were being educated in medicine. And prior to that point, women were the, were the doctors. Women were the ones who were mm-hmm. delivering, because because doctors delivered babies, they helped, you know. They they were basically like midwives, um, yep. and so women had that role of being the healers, being the the women, who, being the people who knew how to work with agriculture and how to make herbs and how to um, how to tend wounds and how to care for the young. So women, in and especially in rural communities, were were, you know, accessing the earth in ways that, that were very healing. So right around the 1100s, 1200s, these schools were being built and men were, men were then graduating and needing to work as doctors, needing to work as mathematicians, needing to work, you know, like in, in certain fields. And so the cities wanted to provide jobs for their, for the guys coming out of school and so they started to to make it illegal for anyone to do medicine outside of the system so to speak so that was one that was one was one aspect of bringing power into the communities also cities didn't have jurisdiction outside of the city structure so all of these pagans i.e. country which means really country people people who are on the outskirts of the of town Um, they didn't have any rulership or any authority, not at first. And so there was a there was a legal structure. There was a religious structure and there was, um, there was a social structure that was making it, making it so that men had positions of power. Men had the ability to make money. Men had the ability to own property and cities. And the men who were in power in these cities, they were invested in bringing power to the cities and and removing it from the counties and from the the pagan people. Mm -hmm. So naturally, making witches seem like these horrible people who were going to be destroying your farm and killing your family perpetuated a, a culture of fear. And so we started fearing our own power to understand our own bodies our power to heal our bodies, our our power to use intuition and feeling and and things that we might associate with the feminine, we started to, to fear that and started to privilege rationality, intellect, education, cult, civilization, all of the things that have historically been associated with patriarchy.
1: This is going to sound weird, but when my wife read... Uh what was it? The, the, the Christian Northrup book, um, women's wisdom, um, something I can't remember. It's a textbook like this. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and she, you know, plowed through it and I sort of lived through it vicariously, uh, through her, her journey there and then dove into some other studies there. But I, I learned a lot about, you know, how women socially, women were sort of discouraged from being in tune with their bodies and they were, mm. th- there was a, uh, just this disconnect that was pretty handy for patriarchy, I think. And mm-hmm. and I think in terms of the, the witch discussion, I mean, l- demonizing someone, obviously, or discrediting them is a great way to dethrone them from any sort of power or influence. And that's art of war as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there, there's a... <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and, and a negative side. Anyway, so there is a... A shift there I think that was taking place because of the desire the strong desire for patriarchy and and let's I, I guess to take a, 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 a maybe a higher uh, view of this a thirty thousand foot view there is a a con a, a constant there that I, I always am seeing where people are society rather and in the powers that be if you will the, the ones that are perpetuating matriarchy or patriarchy sorry they are there's a constant kind of discrediting <laughs> of these other um elements there's a constant discrediting of the the a woman's uh, abilities and ab- bringing life into the world and and we have we live in a physical uh place. We are planetary beings, right? So we live in this physical mm-hmm. space. So in a physical space, masculine, and we're going to segue now into some, some hardcore masculine feminine energy discussion, <laughs> uh, but the, the, uh, the, that in that physical space, we have, uh, we have an obvious, uh, advantage or men have an obvious advantage in a physical space because of our physicalness, you know, in, in terms of stature or strength or whatever. We could, you know, pick up a block and move it or whatever, that kind of, or a stone or whatever, and build a house and, and, and whatnot. Now, I've been a, you know, gender rights advocate, or sorry, a gender equality and women's rights advocate for a very long time. And that, that's kind of been the, uh, the core of my, my focus as a philanthropist, because I recognize that in that discussion, lies, uh, it's sort of the impetus for a lot of different things that have happened socially and politically that have lent themselves to patriarchy, which then is sort of the foundation for economic system and so on and so on. So when I see poverty and war and famine and other kinds of inequality around the world, I can always link them back to really American economics which is founded in patriarchy and so on and so on. So it's like all of these problems keep coming back to the same things, which is why gender, not gender necessarily, but, but uh, sort of the, the male and female roles in, in our world have been such a focus of mine. And my feeling is that we, we, this physical uh, scenario with the male versus female has created a, an atmosphere where we could have patriarchy reign because of the physical uh, advantages or whatever to some degree of, of men over women in a physical space. And unfortunately, we've built an entire society around that rather than this beautiful, nurturing, matriarchal kind of society that we could have. Um, that is much more focused on peace and healing and equality and so on, rather than domination and control and the phys- some of the other physical aspects that we have in patriarchy. So with that as a foundation, mm-hmm. let's start to maybe unpack that a little bit. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your general thoughts on this, because I think there, are or not your general thoughts, I want to hear all, all but let's start with a couple of mis- misperceptions. One thing that people are looking at, I think typically is, you know, masculine energy, feminine energy, male, female, and, and and people kind of associate them with with you know one uh, masculine energy and males and feminine energy and females. Talk to us a little bit just about kind of debunking a little bit of that uh, that mm-hmm. sort of separation.
0: We have both. We mm-hmm. have both masculine, what we might consider masculine, and we have what we might consider feminine energy. And well, I think let's clarify first by what we mean when we talk about masculine energy and what we talk about with feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, these are not these are not based on gender. These are these are just just energies that, that we have within, we have access to within ourselves. Um, and we're not limited to just having these, but, but this is kind of because we live in sort of a binary, system and, and a binary, um, or we have been living in, in that system. These are, these are the, the, the two aspects that we're familiar with. Um, masc- does that make sense, Jared? Does that- yes,
1: absolutely. Okay.
0: Okay, cool. So masculine is what, what we think of when we think of the more assertive, the more outgoing, the more giving aspect of ourselves. It's the as- aspect of ourselves that is protective of ourselves and others the aspect of ourselves that and and of the divine that is the feminine and i'm simplifying this um of course Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the feminine aspect of the self and an aspect of the divine is what we consider more nurturing more relational more um it's more receiving it's more receptive um it's you know the the receiving the Receiving, um, uh, um, if you will, uh, sperm into the womb that, that then you know allows for a child to develop. It's, 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 it's incubating. It's, um, it's all, it's all of of those things. Whereas the masculine tends to be more self directed, the feminine tends to be more interconnected, relational, and things like that. So, uh, so that's kind of what a Yin and Yang. It's it's kind of those balance, the balancing of both of those aspects of of the self.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times the you know I've, I've heard the masculine energy being more associated with ego, and then there's the big discussion about you know kill the ego and, yeah. and, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, I'm of the belief that everything belongs, including our ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part of the dance we've got here. Um, yeah, we can't just kill it. And it, we don't want to I mean, even I, I've dealt with, you know, anger or rage issues and stuff over the years, largely due to a lot of the things that I've dedicated my life to studying um, and then the environments that I've ended up in and seeing some of the nastier sides of humanity and having to dance with that. Like what? You know, I don't, I, and it was always like, hey, Jared, you've got to stop your anger, kill it, mm. kill it, kill it, mm-hmm. kill the ego, kill the anger, kill it. And, Mm. you know, now I'm not at that place anymore. And uh, there's a lot of talk about balance and whatever. And I'm like, look, I don't want to kill my anger. I want to transmute that wonderful energy that I was blessed with into love, into love energy. And I think Mm. that's part of my dance. And and I love Mm. that. And I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. that now and and i don't I'm not looking for balance you know I'm not a balanced dude I'm a harmony man i want I want harmony in my life. I want to play a song that may sound like Siga Ross or something you know something that is that's not you know just your average kind of balanced song, but something that has power and beauty in in, in it and all that so I, I think yeah. that you know even for me you know i Being as inclined as I am towards the, being in in touch with my feminine side, as most people say, Mm -hmm. I've been guilty of demonizing to some degree the masculine energy and the organizations that I've developed over the years. And some of them were very, uh, I was working with women in Rwanda, you know, and doing the gender equality uh, issues or working on those issues there, you know, and I wouldn't hire any men in the organization because I just didn't Mm -hmm. trust it. Um, and that's how I met my wife, by the way, we, I hired oh. her <laughs> and then we started working together and here we are with a family. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I, I, so I think that's a common misreception, even in the, like, the more enlightened spiritual world, we still have this weird, uh, feeling about masculine energy. And, and again, I've been such a proponent of feminine energy and that's what this discussion is about. And that's what I think the world needs more of, but we can't do it in a way where we just say, and that means no masculine energy. So it's this, mm-hmm. a, again, a, a, a quest for harmony, I think, not necessarily balance. I, I I would argue that maybe we need a little heavier on the feminine energy side, especially to correct society. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that perspective?
0: Well, I think um, a couple of things. One of the dangers of, of putting things into a binary term or into a binary perspective is exactly what you're talking about, which is... We have all of these constructs about what is feminine and what is masculine. And each, each, indi- so we have cultural constructs um, that we've all inherited from religion, from society, from ancestors way, way back. And then we all have our own personal. Ideas, yours being like masculine is the masculine uh, is you know related to anger, related to ego. That's something that you're trying to to kind of like differentiate yourself from or 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 gain perspective about. Um, So we have personal, we have collective ideas about what what masculine and feminine energy is, and. And because of that, within any binary system, because of those, those cultural conditions that we bring to it, there's some level of hierarchy. So this being better than this, this being more right. powerful, less powerful. And, um, and, so, and so I think what we're really trying to do as a culture is break down those binaries and start creating, like it, not break them down, but integrating them in such a way that, that we see ourselves as whole. And so we see the divine as whole, all encompassing in something probably that, that's new and different than we can even conceive right now at this time in our collective history.
1: Let's unpack this a little bit. Just sure. um, I was kind of uh, thinking through this from a more holistic perspective because I have a tendency to go down these rabbit holes because they're so interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and I, I could go on forever, but f- provide some more framework, I think, also for the audience. Let's start with some basics in this. Like, how would you describe masculine energy? Like, what is that energy? How would you then describe female or, or f- uh, sorry, feminine, now I'm doing it. Feminine mm-hmm. energy and 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 what do, do those what does that entail? And then we can start to talk about again I had to say the same way over and over but that dance between the two
0: yeah yeah masculine energy is is what we might associate with um, as being aggressive uh, or not aggressive but assertive energy like energy that is coming from me myself and going out into the world giving um, protective uh, like it it, uh, masculine energy wants wants to in some ways differentiate the boundaries between the self and the world so that, so that it can protect what what is mine um, and what what is important to me. Um, so, masculine energy is, is is associated with more of those things. Um, feminine energy is more what we might consider more receptive. It's more relational. Um, it's 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 also um, looking at um, at the kind of the hidden aspects of self. So a little bit more, um, uh, if you will, introspective. It's more it's more
2: because it is receptive. It is more it 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 is uh, more turned inward um, or introverted. And I think one of the things I want to kind of put into this conversation, too, is that we have we have both of these aspects of ourselves. We so if you're a man, you're not all masculine, you're masculine and feminine. If you're a woman, you're masculine, feminine. If you're if you are non-binary in some way you still have these aspects of yourself so I think our jobs are are one of the things that that makes us more whole people is to integrate both of those
0: both of those parts of ourselves and and to to really fully come to a a state of acceptance Um, because of patriarchy and because of the some of the the negative consequences of patriarchy we have over time, learn to privilege the masculine aspects of ourselves. And, and actually, um, Aristotle uh, and, and a lot of the scholastics of, of, the, um, of the 11 and, and 1200s basically created a hierarchical system that privileged mind over body, masculine over feminine, um, you know, like, and they they categorize things as masculine or as feminine, and so we learned to kind of downplay the feminine aspects of ourselves to privilege. And the Enlightenment definitely, definitely highlighted this and 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 enforced this. You know, privilege the mind over the body, privilege um, thought over feeling, um, privilege you know the and and so privilege all of those experiences of rationality over. Over things that are more embodied experiences, such as emotions, intuition, and things like that, and so and so over time, we have become disconnected with what we might consider the more feminine aspects of ourselves. We've been taught that feelings aren't as important as thoughts, and I think that this has really led us to kind of where we are now, which is like at this point of saying this is this is way out of balance. This is. This is, this is not working at all, because when you do that, when you cut off your feelings, you cut off compassion, you cut off empathy, you cut off relationship, and you cut off the fullness of who you are. And I think as a, as a civilization, we're, and as a people, like as, a, as a, a collective, we're all wanting to return back to that state of harmony, like you said.
1: Yeah, I mean, you brought up some interesting points there, too, in the, uh, the the feeling, thoughts versus feelings, and I, you know, I know in my own personal journey of, you know, studying the law of attraction and, and, and just studying, you know, how to be a manifester and, and so on,
2: uh-huh,
1: yes. <clears throat> Well, intentionally manifesting, I guess we're all manifesting no matter what, but uh, to be intentional about it, I... Have recognized that a big pivot point in my understanding was realizing that it's not just about the thoughts that we think; it really is about our ability to, I guess, to tap into the feelings. For instance, if I want, uh, you know, a farm in Hawaii, and I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. I want, uh, to so, you shall.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Perfect. Um, so it's not, you know, my my, you know, my role in manifesting that is not just simply to think about it. Right. But Ah, to, to envision it, to use my imagination, to use my creativity, to daydream, to, you know, Mm -hmm. vision board, whatever it is, all of these, and I do all of these things and it's, but I can't stop at just thinking about it. I have to attach myself to the feelings that I would have if that were already true. And yeah. so, so I, you know, and we get into all kinds of other layers there that I'll leave alone for now, but I, I feel like when we do that as a society, we, or sorry, when we prioritize thinking over feeling, we, it's not surprising that we're where we are at today. Uh, we've disconnected ourselves from our intuition, from our, mm-hmm. you know, our gut feeling or whatever you want to frame that. And, and from our clairvoyance, our clairvoyance, clear vision, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've distanced ourselves from that and we've demonized it to some degree. And we've said, you know, enough with the touchy feely stuff, you know, let's, let's just talk about, you know, the bottom line or whatever it is. And, and it's about, you know, who's the thought leader? Who's the, uh, the big, the big kahuna, the big honcho, you know? And, and I feel like that is very much represented in patriarchy and, and consequently very much represented across the world today. And we have this disconnection with empathy and, and again, sort of a um, downplaying of the role and potential of an empathetic society. Uh, and and we, if we look across the United States right now and politically and so on, and I certainly don't want to get into that discussion right now, but if yeah. we look yeah. at, <laughs> across the, um, th- that spectrum, it's pretty easy to see that we have a problem with empathy right now. Like we are not a very empathetic nation. And I think that has a lot to do with exactly what you're talking about and that distancing mm-hmm. ourselves from that. There's a a lot of this that we're seeing played out now, you know, from the witch trials on into today. There's just carrying on tradition yeah. of and it is a very patriarchal tradition. Yeah.
0: I think you know, it's um Absolutely, a hundred percent, and and I think this all goes down to all goes down to the you know to the concept of power, and when what you're talking about with the manifestation process and and feeling being integral to that process, when you are in touch with your when you're not just in touch with your when you're feeling your feelings and your feelings are helping you you connect with other people, helping you relate, helping you manifest. All, all of the, and, and you, and, and which means you're embodied in, in, you're completely embodied and completely in the present moment. That is a position of power, you know, mm-hmm. like when, when you're feeling you are tapped in to the, the field of potentiality in a really big way. And that's when magic happens, you know, when, um, when you can feel it, when it's it's you know that, that desire to have the farm in Hawaii is 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 coursing through your entire body mm-hmm. in an emotional way, in a physical way. You're grounding it into the earth, and and if you go back to the the witch trials. Like these, this is what women were doing. They were going out, and and men too, and children. They were going outside. They were having rituals. They were dancing. They were connecting with the earth. They were they were making magic happen um, through chanting, through singing, through dancing, through embodied practices that were that were raising their vibration and raising their spiritual um, their their spiritual uh, uh, energy. And connecting with with that that um, sort of that that primal power, that primal creative power, and and that's scary to people who are in political or governmental systems of power that are trying to shut those people down. All of that becomes demonized. Yes. Um, then. Their fear gets, per, gets perpetuated, like perpetuated, and no one wants to be doing that because you could get killed. You could get tortured severely for days and weeks and months and then get killed and burned in mass ovens. Yes. Um, you know? So there's, there, was, um, there was a systematic shutting down over centuries of all of those gifts that we're now awakening to.
1: Absolutely, and that—that's a. I've had this discussion often in the philanthropic space, and in the social systems, and you know, governments, and things like that. We, we in in those discussions, I had someone asked me not long ago about this. Um, you know, why aren't we fostering more uh, of this enlightened thought, you know, throughout our nation, <laughs> and whatever? And I was like, well, our governments, and 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 our government. Let's just stick with America right now, uh, and you know, and the other uh, corporate leaders within that spectrum are certainly not trying to foster a free, enlightened society abounding with people that believe they can do anything free, with minds freed from fear and so on and so on, and people that are united and, and all that. If we had that, there'd be no mechanisms for manipulating and controlling society. There would be, or, or very few, we are controlled largely, largely through fear, which divides us, which keeps us from ever standing up against the powers that be. Uh, I experienced that certainly at a very uh, blatant kind of uh, level when I was working in Kenya on civil society and trying to bolster the effectiveness of civil society. That was "quote unquote" my job at the time, and I was like, Whoa, "We're never going to make anything happen here. Have, there's so much tribalism; it, it it won't work. We can never get a momentum." Or we can never get momentum. So I, I think that patriarchy in, it, in and of itself has, has div- or sort of, maybe I should say, a, is a foundational layer or element of patriarchy seems to be to, uh, you know, to, to really, I don't know, to, to, to strip away some of that uh, intuitiveness, that, that intuitive connection, that uh, empathy in within society. The free thinking and and certainly again, it, it patriarchy relies so much on fear as a uh, sort of a pivot point for anything. We can we can pivot society one direction or the other if we use enough fear in this way. Uh, yeah. I, I, I t- actually, I haven't even thought about it necessarily in those specific terms. How how would you frame that discussion of fear tactics when it comes? I don't know. Is, there's the masculine energy and the feminine energy. I don't yeah. know. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, sure. So, going going back to the um, going back to the like re- to understand how fear came into play and how it it was um, it was used to establish uh, you know regimes of power and 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 structures of power. I think we have to go back to the very like beginning stages of of patriarchy. And, or what we what we understand as the beginning stages of patriarchy, which is about five thousand years ago, and this is right after the Neolithic period when we were discovering how to um, how to, to to mix metals and smelt metals into bronze and create weapons. And during that period, uh, one of the things that was happening is we were making things, and and people were parceling out land, and so there was this this desire for possessions and for Mm -hmm. possession. And so that Neolithic period really paved the way for this because it, it allowed us to, to develop agricultural practice practices. We, we invented the wheel during that period. And so a lot of the things that, that, um, that preceded patriarchy um, were, were things that were for the whole community. And then suddenly everything became about um, what's mine. Um, And and metals were made into weapons so that you could protect what was yours and people who had weapons could then instill fear in others so that they could protect their land and their property and their and their people this was all happening right around the time of the um, of the inception of the Abrahamic religions as well. So this is happening culturally, and this is happening on a spiritual level. We started we started worshiping the sun god in pagan traditions, and um, and so God as ruler, God as as king, became the model, and and god, and therefore and then after that, um, God if God is king, God can judge. And God can punish, and kings were thought to have descended from a sacred lineage, and so they were connected to God. And so, kings and rulers and um, and and tribal and leaders could all judge and punish. And so, systems of uh, and so instead of like working together and being more communal and 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 relational, um, there were power structures that were enforced and. And actually, um, using physical and over time, using physical violence was a way of maintaining power. Mm-hmm. And um, and and we still do that today with incarceration mm. and with. Um, I mean, it's not as it's we're not doing the se- same kind of severe torture that we did in the past, but um, but the body became the. Um, like punishment of the body harm of the body, so again, if you think of if, if we equate in those hierarchical terms or those those um, I'm sorry, those gendered terms, um, the body with fem- the feminine, um, the body can be uh, abused, the body can be hurt, the body can be tortured and and somehow the fear of something happening to the body then per- gives power to the people who, who can be the perpetrators of that violence. so embodiment, the body, uh, embodiment is actually as much a part of this power, uh, imbalance and power, uh, structure as, um, as gender, as, as, um, as, as everything else, as class, as social status, you know, all of those things play into this mm-hmm. and, and even race And now at this point.
1: Oh, especially now. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah, that's totally. <laughs> slavery 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah, we just sort of relabeled slavery as the American yeah. prison system, <laughs> private prison yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think people also too forget that there, you know, there was. I, I don't, I, I don't want to say religion. Actually, I'm sure there was, but there was faith really before Christ, right? And the, the, even in the the what is transcended sort of into the or transformed, I guess, into the Christian faith, people before Christ had faith in a mm-hmm. god of, of some sort and you could you could almost simplify it to saying that that faith was really just kind of a belief in the good things coming you know a belief that the universe or god is working on their behalf rather than against them and and <laughs> you could maybe simplify it further and just call them optimists um mm-hmm. and that was sort of their faith it was, it was an optimism you know faith and then when we you know with, with, with the entry of patriarchy there was that it's sort of transferred over into this what we called back in the day when I was in youth group fire insurance kind of faith. You know, it was like, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> oh my God, it's hilarious. I've uh, never heard that term before. <laughs> oh, and, and it and it's funny because it's so true, right? I mean uh-huh. that, I remember being yeah. scared to death and, and I I mean and, and on a very real note, and you know, I've talked to my parents a lot about this, um, I remember, you know, crying myself to sleep at night because of fear that I hadn't repented enough. And that if perhaps something happened in the night, the house burned or a tornado came through, or somehow I passed away in the night that I wouldn't, yeah, I'd burn in hell. And, and I was like, you know, as a 10 year old kid, that's a pretty torturous kind of scenario to, to, to go through. And, and, you know, and I had insomnia for 20 years after that. So there, there was, you know, a lot of, impact from that kind of, uh, I don't know, that, that religion, I guess. And, and it, you know, it was hard for me to get out of that. But I, I think that now everything that I, I am in, in terms of my, my spiritual practices and my, my faith and so on, it really is about faith in the good things coming. <laughs> and, and, and I think that patriarchy is sort of built on the, if you don't follow these rules, bad things are coming. Exactly. So it's based on an, the uh, the polar opposite of what I feel that potentially matriarchy would bring into the discussion. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, definitely. Um, and it's it's you know it's it's the system that we are that we are still like we're 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 shaking out of that right now. I think. Um yeah. And I see, I mean I see this like the evidence of this. We're still we're still in it, but I can see you can see evidence of like you know, people bringing power back Mm. into themselves and collecting as groups to, you know, start movements of resistance to, to do things to, to help other people. Um, You know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of moving away from that, from being so affected by fear, but it's, you know, it's, it's in our, it's in our collection, our collective unconscious. So, that sense of like needing to be obedient or fear of like something bad is going to happen to me um it's it's we're we're all products of the witch trials we're all products of um you know the the jewish exile and so like early patriarchal, like using uh, means of using violence to to gain property and gain power. We all have that as part of us. But I, I feel like there's been there have been a lot of shifts and a lot of changes, uh, especially since 2012. Um, there was a there was a significant astrological configuration that 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 yeah. is very similar to what was happening in the civil rights movement in the 60s. Um, that, that that we're still kind of in the in the shadow of um, that started in two thousand and twelve. and And what what this particular one did was it it helped us to understand um, how much corporation was really the, you know, the the was really empower like in power. Um, in our political system, and and how much it was had power and influence over our government. And because we're still in the shadow, we're still we haven't quite even broken down or shifted away, um, seen the the positive uh, consequences of, um, which you know like the 60s that move the movements the civil rights movements that were that were happening in the 60s created generations of shifts of change. So. We're in that we're in that right now, we're moving away from um i think from patriarchy uh and moving into a whole new paradigm that we can't necessarily call matriarchy we can't call patriarchy we can't call it anything yet because it's still in development it's still being um it's still being concepted
1: absolutely you know i I just was thinking of a <laughs> there's an interesting scenario here because I think. I think and, and you can help me with this but like with the masculine energy that the masculine energy calls us I think to some degree as you were saying before to uh you know to look at the self like to 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 some degree I think societally what we've been talking about is that tendency of masculine energy to take for the self but at mm-hmm. the same time I think from my studies I've also learned that there is a there's a healthier side of that that says invest in yourself Um, Mm -hmm. as where the the more of the feminine energy that that which I have always been I think more in tune with has led me down a path to some degree of martyrdom of -hmm. taking care of other people and and feeling like if like when I was in Rwanda you know and I couldn't even feed myself I didn't have money I didn't have anything and and I was working with these women that were you know we were freeing from sex slavery and all this stuff and I thought well you know the more I suffer in this you know subconsciously I thought this um the the more somehow they're going to benefit which is ridiculous but that's what we're taught in society I think um so that that feminine energy sort of drew me to to constantly giving and nurturing others and not so much to myself and the the masculine energy maybe potentially and I'm discovering this as we talk <laughs> could be an energy to tap into to say invest in yourself invest for instance my new year's intention, I guess I usually say intention rather than resolution is to, uh, to, to tend to my own light I to, love to, that. to such a wow. degree that it brings the light out in others. And, Beautiful. Man, and it's, it's tough for me because I've always yeah. been like, well, let's go tend to everyone else's light and help them and help them and help them. And, and then my light kind of went out and I got really angry and really kind of chewed up by life. And Mm-hmm. Left Nairobi after ten years in Africa and had to go heal in Costa Rica for a mm-hmm. couple of years um mm-hmm. and you know and have I've had a great journey to mm-hmm. back but but I feel like maybe that's something that I hadn't really discovered until us talking just now is that maybe you know when I look to masculine energy and say okay well what is what do I use that for? Mm-hmm. Would you agree maybe that 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 is a, an energy that that sort of asks us to invest in ourselves?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think you're bringing up a really, a really great point, And that is that, that there are higher octaves and lower octaves of masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, yeah, the higher, the, that higher octave of that masculine energy being, a, being self-directed, um, means a complete and total acceptance and knowledge of self when you do have that you are consciousness and you have conscience Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when you are in that sacred masculine energy you want like your your knowledge of self your acceptance yourself your your self-ishness if you will makes you want to protect Hmm. those who um like the earth for example the The people who who don't have power, because doing anything else hurts the self. Yeah. Doing anything to harm the earth or harm another puts you out of alignment with yourself, and then you're not self-directed anymore. You're you're living some kind of shut down, disassociated self. So it's not like ego self, like me mine. <laughs> it's self, uh, core self.
1: Yes. And yes. Sorry, go ahead. That 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 really drives it home. That makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's so what you're talking about with like being your light, oh my God, that is like totally like integrated, beautiful, like amazing masculine energy. And yeah. something that all of us can have and should have access to. Um, and then being in that in the, the highest octave of the feminine energy is also it's like I think about like the highest octave of feminine energy and it's like mother bear it's mm. like lo- like love and relationship so much that it's a desire for connection it is connection it's allowing yourself to be protected to be uh, supported to be loved and and we all have that relationship or can have that relationship with the divine and and with one another too but it, and it's also like being embodied like dancing and moving and 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 uh, Feeling the presence, like your your presence of, of your feet on the ground, and and the the energy of the earth pulsing through you. It sacred feminine energy is is being very connected, being very rooted, and also being really supportive in all ways. Allowing support, allowing goodness in, allowing healing, allowing um, you know protection, uh, um, abundance, um, all of those things.
1: Well, and, and even the words that you're using there make a lot of sense in this, uh, I don't know, the, the, the framework or the discussion between masculine and feminine, or, or I, sh- I should say maybe uh, patriarchy and, and the potential of matriarchy, between forcing in a mm-hmm. patriarchal way, let's force this, this country doesn't do what we like, let's bomb them or force them or yeah. whatever, as opposed to what I would associate more with. In in the, Potentially, in matriarch scenario or matriarchal scenario, would be let's allow rather than force. Let's mm-hmm. um, you know, let, let, let's be empathetic yeah. first of all. Uh, yeah. em, 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 right. em, employ the empathy uh, to a very large degree, and then patience. I feel like patriarchy does not leave a lot of room for patience. Um, oh, you know what? Let me throw this in there because last year, my my intention for the year was to be more patient, and, mm-hmm. and boy, did I get a lot of opportunities to practice that. <laughs> consequently, that's what you, you kind
0: get what you wish for. I, I, I was going to say, yeah,
1: that's, that's what you get when you throw that out there to the universe and say, "All right, well, here you go. I yeah. practice that. But, but consequently, what that journey led me to and I wrote about this in my last newsletter is that I, I realized that my quest for patience uh, led me to a different kind of understanding of patience. If we have patience, it sort of implies that we do believe in the good things coming. I'm using a o Bear song to keep going, but that they, yeah, it's faith. Yeah. So yeah, I realized right. that my quest uh-huh. for patience was really a quest, to, quest to deepen my faith or strengthen mm-hmm. my faith, rather. Oh my god, that's beautiful!
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: Well, and it, it it just sort of it came to me in my meditations in December. I. I I really go into like monk state during December every year because I want to reflect on the previous year and, and then plan for the next year in terms of who I will be and how I will be. Not very little about what I will do in that. I figure what I will do will, will be informed by who I am and in and, and my very being. So I want to concentrate on that. And I expect that all the other things will, will come into fruition that I'm seeking in mm-hmm. terms of the things that I might do. So... It's an interesting scenario there, but I, I feel like matriarchy it, it, it would be more founded in faith. It would be more founded in <laughs> really mm-hmm. being optimistic. I think, mm-hmm. and and patriarchy sort of relies on a certain pessimism that if we don't have these controls in place, everything's going to go to hell, or we're all going to die, or whatever. As where matriarchy it would be like, look, let's be empathetic, let's listen, let's let's connect, and expect that everything's going to work out, and you know, in our favor.
0: We it's hard for us to even know patriarchy and matriarchy. Um, <laughs> That's why I keep like, saying
1: would be with because yeah, I yeah. don't really know.
0: <laughs> but I mean, outside of the the context which it is right now, we can't know matriarchy. It's because we only know matriarchy through the lens of patriarchy. If that makes sense,
1: absolutely um, makes sense. yes. <laughs>
0: But if we take it for like take the higher octave of it of each um, of each, then what we might see is that like in a matriarchal system or in a matriarchal um, paradigm, yeah, it would be faith. Um, I mean, there would be there would be I think a sense of faith. With with now oh, now I'm, I'm going to totally contradict myself. <laughs> <And I'm listening. laughs> it's all good. <laughs> One thing that patriarchy did give us was faith. In God, you know, like um, one of the foundations of, of the patriarchal paradigm was the belief in the Abrahamic God or some God first and then God. And um, and prior to that, we had all kinds of different goddesses and gods and um, and mythologies to, to base our lives on um, that did have very strong female goddesses like Inanna, Demeter, um, Artemis. So we had we had some some we had a kind of a more balanced, balance if you will, mm-hmm. and all of those have sort of been told because there was no writing at that time or no like written records, mm-hmm. all of those have been sort of passed on through oral oral history. They've been reinterpreted through the lens of patriarchy and, and handed down to us, um, uh, you know, uh, over time. Ultimately, though, I think what we're trying to to do as a collective is integrate. This within our collective, and then also um, create a whole new, a whole new structure, a whole new system, a whole new paradigm that's unlike anything that we've experienced before.
1: Absolutely, and I think it is unlike anything. Yeah, it obviously is. I mean, we don't have like when I look back in society and say when I'm trying to make a case for more of an egalitarian society, it's obviously difficult to look back into society and find one where we're at where, a time period where we had an egalitarian yeah. society and, yeah. and and there you know you do find a lot more of that in the some of the Lakota uh, society and, and whatnot back in the pre-1700s and so I've, I've pulled from that but again it's still sparse you know to, to find that kind mm-hmm. of stuff but I as a you know as a philanthropist and just a caring human being you know I wish for a society that is founded more in faith and spirituality and unity Rather than what we have now, which is more founded in a desire for control that that 's really facilitated largely by capitalism, it, it works yeah. well that and, and I'm not anti-capitalist. i 'm not anti capitalist I think it needs reform uh, for for sure, <laughs> like like anything else that we have any other societal agreement that we have, and that is just an agreement it needs to evolve, not stay static mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think that Uh, For me, what what's happened is I've associated the potential of matriarchy with being, you know, with kind of answering my quest for a society more based in faith and spirituality and empathy and unity um, and and understanding that that's more likely to come from matriarchy than from patriarchy, because we see what patriarchy has afforded us (laughs) a lot of war and, you know, and and capitalistic nature and and incentivized uh societies incentivized from a capitalistic platform for war and division and so on so i guess that's been my my general interest started as a philanthropist you know and saying like how do we start to have a society or how how do we foster a society that is more equal in in terms of opportunity and and, and rights and things like that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. And recognizing, yes, we are different as physical human beings. We can do different things, and a man can lift something heavy, and a woman, by the way, brings life into the world. Like, yeah. And I, I want a society that honors that as the pinnacle of our humanity, uh, you know, a woman uh, and, and their ability to nurture and, and bring life into the world. And, and I see my role as a man, and I know I'm in dangerous territory to some degree, but I see my role as a man, and my my sons, by the way, their role and what I'm training them for is to, I don't know, to, to to help pave a path more towards mm. matriarchy, honestly, and and, mm. and to and to to say we're here to support that. Like if the, the I, I see that role, I wish the roles were switched, you know, and that we honored women in, in their abilities and, and uh, in the way that we honor some, you know, dictator CEO or, 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 you know, even the Donald Trumps of the world. And we're like, oh, this guy's, you know, big in business and whatever. And I'm like, when did that become the metric that we <laughs> weighed everything against? Yeah. Like what, yeah. what, it seems like it's such a loss, like such a, yeah. um, it's like, we've got our hands tied as a society, as long as we're holding on to those beliefs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like money is money is power. Yeah. Um, yeah. When really, um, you know, if you think about your own, like if you think about life and your own life and manifestation and all of those things, like your spiritual principle love is actually power. Love yeah. is the biggest power. Um, and you know, if someone breaks your heart, like, wow, they have a lot of like, that's that's powerful, that's that's some power. <laughs> or if when you're in love and you fall in love, oh my God, your manifestation power goes up out the, out the roof. It's yes. so big. Yes. So, you know, I think one of the best things that we can do, um, in addition to training, teaching your boys all and like in cult and, and raising them to be, um, to, to be, uh, a new generation, like mm-hmm. a new generation of. Of, of males and, and more integrated, um, one of the most important things that we can do to, to change our society, to change, um, you know, um, the, these paradigms is is to, to really love. And, and when I say love, I'm talking about, like, experiencing, talking about an experiential form of love that is allowing that, that creative, life-giving, um, you know, eros energy. That that courageous, like all-inspiring, like pow- power. That in, that that resource within ourselves. Letting that out in our relationships, in our work, in um, in how we treat others, how we treat the earth. And when you do that, it requires a certain amount of of self-reference, self. Uh, reference, mm-hmm. self- understanding self-knowledge self-acceptance um, from a core place not necessarily just from an ego place but from a from a connected spiritual place and and when if, if we could all love more be our be truly authentically ourselves more be more connected to our spiritual self rather than our material self then that's how we're changing the paradigm. That's how we're changing the whole conversation. That's how we lend power or give power in, to the connections that we form, to the, to the, the connection with the earth, uh, to the connections with spirit, to the connections with the divine. It's like when, when our power sources from those places and from love, then our fears get reduced. Our fears of not having enough our fears of not having a, a voice, our fears of of um, being punished somehow by the by society, like and and the less we have fear coursing through our bodies, coursing through our collective, the less power corporation has.
1: <laughs> we see how much power a corporation does have you know on on the other yeah. side of that now and and I think that's probably a good way to it's a good indicator yeah. of society it's like if, if it's just, yeah. if, if a corporation has that much power that tells us something about our society i I like to kind of think about that you know if some other you know aliens or <laughs> whatever came came to the came to the earth right now and, and sort of analyzed this what would they what would they walk away with and yeah. i think i think it's a little scary right now. Uh, In terms of what they could deduce from our society in terms of what we Mm -hmm. value. And, And I am always looking at, you know, we're looking at solving social maladies like poverty and trafficking, human trafficking and things like that. War. Climate change, all those things are symptoms to me of a perspective problem that does not recognize our interconnectedness Mm -hmm. and and, and all the other elements that it's not recognizing. But interconnectedness is kind of the founding uh, principle there. And I so I have you know, moved from frontline activism that's more obvious out in the streets and protest. although I still do those. Um, <laughs> and, but my, my focus now is on the mind, on the consciousness, on the, on the perspective. Like, how do we alter people's perspective such that they see the world differently and, and therefore act differently and carry on, you know, their lifestyle differently um, from that perspective of interconnectedness? So I'm, yeah. I'm more focused on that. So, I mean there there's so much here to to unpack. Uh and and I want to I think embodiment is something I really want to talk to you about as well. Mm-hmm. Um and then there are some other like more prophetic uh, scenario, you know, the age of Aquarius and the, the, those kind yeah. of discussions. Uh, yeah. oh,
0: well, I, know. I I wanted to talk about I mean like I, I, the whole time we've been talking about be like we, we haven't even talked about the age of Aquarius and this is like kind of
1: what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I'm glad that that wasn't just me because I had yeah. it in my notes yeah. and we didn't get to it. So yeah. here's, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's the thing we've, we've gone, we've gone, I think over an hour yeah. now. Um, we've provided though, I think a very good foundation for our next discussion, if you will, uh, to continue this, I, I kind of thought that we might have at least a two part series here due to the Uh, the robust complexity of this particular issue. And ultimately, I mean, the things we're talking about here, Rachel, are are, are very much... The, the center focal points of everything that I'm doing with an radio with an our bigger project for the retreat center and so on. And even some of the stuff that I'm doing in the technology world, uh, that sort of comes back to the same agenda to, to bring us into alignment with love, our source and, and to bring us into a place where we honor our in, intuition and we, we give space for that, um, like we do now for economic gain. You know, I wish that was more that the, the value was more on our, on our ability to, to be united and to, to tap into our intuition and, and to feel and to tap into to honor our feelings, not just our thoughts or our actions, but the feelings. So, I think we have a good foundation for that and yeah. and i if you're if you're willing, let's let's I'd love to do another laughing. call. Oh
0: my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Anytime. It's cool. So much fun
1: well that that will allow us to unpack more and, and to go in deeper and hey, if we end up with an ongoing series I'm fine with that too <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's so great I love I, I could talk about this stuff all day every day so you're, we're
1: on the same wavelength <laughs> well excellent I, I can I can tell we are definitely aligned here and and I'm grateful for that and'm I'm, I'm grateful for your wisdom and for your journey that's giving you that given you that wisdom and obviously, for your willingness to get on the mic and share it, that means everything. And it's, uh, it's important. It's such an important discussion. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for what you've dedicated your life to in terms of your studies and your teachings and things like that. And, and I'm grateful to be exposed to that uh, and, and, and also that you've given it, you know, exposure to our audience in that regard as well.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for holding a space for love and freedom with us today. If you appreciate this discussion, I hope you'll share it widely and rate and review us on iTunes. That's the best way to help us amplify our message. NEP Radio theme music is provided by Human Suits from their original soundtrack for the documentary Planetary. Check them out and download their music at humansuits.bandcamp.com. Until next time, I wish you peace on your journey. May you always align with love and let your life speak. Takuyei Oyasi.